Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Sylvan Squad podcast. Uh, today we have Aaron Orlinski. Aaron, say hi. Uh, you're on the, the second episode of the podcast today. It's great to be here, Paul. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have you here, Aaron. Uh, you know, picking up from our last topic, you know, John Paul, the last guest on this podcast, we talked about gratitude. John Paul was happy for breathing. You know, I was happy for having a place to live. Uh, you know, having food. Aaron, anything that you're happy for? Dude, breathing's pretty good. Yeah. Always got the marijuana. Breathing, marijuana, the two things that, you know, come hand in hand. A keg in this beer. What is it? 617 Hazy IPA. We, ha- we have some 617 Hazy IPA. Sounds good. From uh, Lord Hobo, great brewery, right down the street from our good friend Bill, Bill Stanton. He's surviving out in Woburn with his uh, wife and, you know, child. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have him on the podcast one of these days, but we'll see how it goes. So, you know, the reason why we uh, we, we had this podcast today is uh, to discuss an important topic, which is where are stocks going to be a week from now? And I think it's I think it's important for all parties, you know, to weigh in here. And so we'll let Aaron, you know, uh, take a stab at his picks for a week out from now. Uh, Aaron, tell us more. Well, all right. There's a couple things to consider, right? One, I was looking at the airlines right? Delta, they have gone down uh, over the past month from about $60 a share to, uh, at its low point, it was like $22 a share, and today it's at about $31 a share. So I'm thinking... So let me me pause you there. Tell me about that movement again. So about a month ago, it was at 60, at at like like maybe 58, 60 down to about 22 at its low point, um, probably within the past like week or two. And then today it's back up um, around $11 to about $31. That about 31, okay, keep going. All right, so here's my thought is that right now no one's traveling, right? So the stocks are low, but obviously once, you know, things start opening up a bit, travel is gonna be back on the menu, right? So that stock or many of the airline stocks, at least in my opinion, should go back up. Um, and I actually recently flew with Delta and I actually thought for what it was, they did a pretty good job overall. They have an app, some you know, great, they have a lot going on. They, some great they empirical have a lot evidence. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, like you can upgrade your seat last minute for like a discounted price. They throw little offers at you like that. Mm. You know, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it was a good experience. Did you, uh, did you hear how Delta got you there? They make you pay right. a fee. To up to upgrade your fee to upgrade your seat at a discounted rate. How brilliant is that? They make you pay more at a discounted rate. Who could who could say no to that? I all I gotta say is on my flight to Italy on the long haul, I got a whole section to myself so I could basically lie down. I, I mean, slightly upgraded for an extra like sixty bucks. Sounds like you got a three for one deal given the uh, reduced demand. I don't for, know, man. Seven hour flight. You have, you have two whole seats. You have the whole section to yourself. Not bad. Well, uh, you know, I think that's a fair synopsis. Uh, you know, one factor about the airline. So yeah, industry, anyways, yeah. The point is, I'm I, think, I think it doesn't matter about the seat. The point is that I think it's going to go back up uh, probably within the next three months to six months. Interesting. So, you know, one factor about the airline industry is that their their primary cost is, is oil. And, you know, given that oil has reduced its, its cost, so significantly over the last month, it's possible that once once the economy rebounds and the travel restrictions are uh, removed, and if the price of oil continues to remain as low as it is, 
then uh, air travel could become more profitable for the airline agencies because the cost of oil has gone down. So Aaron, I'm gonna give you an A plus for your stock recommendation. Today it's at uh, 31. Where is it gonna be a week from now? Uh, I think it'll be pretty similar. I think for now it's gonna stay, depending on where things go, because the stock seems to be all over the place right now. Um, like Tesla, for instance, they went down over the past month, but they've also been uh, slowly rising their way back up. They were at a low point of uh, 360 back March 18th, and today they're at 539. So, I mean, it seems like some of the stocks that are still popular might make it through this thing not too bad. Interesting. So we'll, we'll see. So things. So that's why I think things like airlines, you know, are, are kind of guaranteed to bounce back. Interesting. People aren't going to stop flying. Interesting. All right. Well, I think that, you know, until these travel restrictions are lifted, there will, these, these airlines will definitely be taking a hit. Um, I think the biggest question is, is the fear uh, that's right now being factored into the airline stock price, such as Delta, is that fear uh, accurate or is it not accurate? Is it made up? Uh, and, you know, I think following Aaron's line of uh, you know, rationale. I think it's, I think that fear is not, you know, it's not founded. And in the long term, those travel bans will be lifted and people will be flying again. They'll be doing fine. Yep. And they're, plus, they're about to get bailed out by the fucking federal government. So, and there's that. Yeah. Speaking of, so what's up with that? What are we getting out of the government? I think I read we're getting like $1,200. We're getting something a lot Who's less. Who's getting 1200 bucks? Everybody. Everybody? Everybody's just getting like a one-time check of like $1,200 versus Canada. I read that Canada is having a $2,000 per month per person uh, allotment issued until like this whole thing is resolved. Sounds like they're trying to sneak in some universal basic income if I ever done heard of socialism. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, from my end, as far as stock picks, and I, I want to talk about something that I'm most familiar with. It's got to be the farm industry. And so in the farm industry, we have uh, VIR uh, Pharmaceuticals, we have Gilead Biosciences, and we have Moderna Therapeutics uh, that are all three uh, biotechnology companies um, that are racing to develop a vaccine uh, for the coronavirus. And the reality is, is that if, if you bet on all three of these companies, one of these companies will end up, uh, being the winner. Um, and so for my own personal pick of these three companies, I have to go with VIR, uh, which is a company that was previously, uh, or that is currently owned and, uh, or it's current, the president of the company is the former president of Biogen, George Gangos, uh, and he has recently announced a partnership with Biogen to develop uh, a vaccine for uh, for the coronavirus. So based off of my knowledge of the players um, and my familiarity, I'm going to have to go with VIR. Um, currently, and I haven't looked at the stock price recently, I know it had uh, come down significantly last week. I bought in at about 41 uh, sometime last week. I know it was down in the low 30s. Yeah, so today it's at 3075. I'm going to mark this as a strong buy. Uh, a week from now, you know, some new news is going to come out. Today's Wednesday. Uh, I think that they're going to make some progress, so they're going to at least make it seem like they made some progress. I'm putting it back up around $40, $50 next week. Um, so, yeah. 
Aaron, question, hot topic. So, where do you stand on a hotel versus Airbnb? If you're gonna for stocks, if or you're just if you're gonna plan if you're gonna plan your next vacation, what are you gonna be using? Um, um, a well, main, um, based off my last experience, uh, definitely Airbnb. Yeah. In terms of, you know, it well it depends on what you're looking for. If you're just looking to go in and out of town for a couple of days, and you want things to be easy, and you just want to show up, maybe a hotel is still your better option. But uh, if you're gonna spend some time in a place, I think uh, from an authenticity standpoint. And for the value, because you can usually get a pretty good price uh, compared to a hotel. Uh, definitely, you know, Airbnb, if you look, you know, and do your research and look far enough in advance, you can find a really good deal for like a, a nice place that, that someone else has taken care of and, you know, turned into a true house versus just some hotel room. I agree. I think the ease of booking uh, and the reliability of Airbnbs, the increasing reliability of Airbnbs, has made uh, has made the the peer to peer, let's say, network uh, that much more desirable than uh, let's say the premium that you would have to pay for a hotel. Um, I think recently, you know, based off of you know reading reviews uh, and you know you more or less doing your own comparison of the amenities. You're able to make a pretty informed decision on Airbnb about, you know, what your stay is going to be like. Um, and at least from what I've seen, my empirical evidence, um, I tend to enjoy the Airbnbs and the VRBO uh, experience a little bit more than the hotel chains. I think long term, I think the millennial and Gen Z generation um, are not going to be desiring the Ritz-Carlton's and Marriott's of the world as opposed to a really fancy bodega. Um, somewhere in the in the foothills of uh, somewhere. So I'm gonna put Marriott uh, down. I don't know where it is today, but a week from now, it's either staying down or going down. Yeah, I mean the hotels are also similar to the airline industry, though. I mean, eventually they're gonna bounce back. Oh, unless you're, are you saying that you think Airbnb is going to end up? I think this is the straw on the camel's back for the hotel industry. I think they were already fighting an uphill battle uh, with a decreased market share by Airbnb and VRBO. Like, regardless if you if you prefer one or the other, they exist. And there is a certain market share that prefers Airbnb and VRBO. So just right out of the gate, um, the, main chains, the main chain hotels of the world have less have less market share, and therefore less profit, less demand, and so they can charge less high prices. So, what about lobbying and that kind of thing, though? Don't they also have so, more pockets that they can fill and that sort of thing? So to that's get the right laws passed. That's a fair argument, Aaron. Um, you know, and we've seen in places as close as Boston and Cambridge in, imposing uh, moratoriums on Airbnb, and uh, let's say uh, increasing. The scrutiny of the taxes. I believe that um, Boston Airbnbers now owners now have to pay their tax directly to Airbnb, and then Airbnb has to pay that tax to Boston, as opposed to the owner voluntarily uh, having to report that. So, um, and I know that that was like a big win from the hotels, basically because they were arguing that that Airbnbs were more profitable because they didn't have to pay like the um, the hotel tax, the, the hospedaje tax sure. hospitality tax sure so <clears throat> yeah 
you know, so we've covered, uh, you know, three important sectors. Um, I think we should also touch on the retail uh, industry. I think this is this is a no-brainer that's going to get shifted up, and this again is just an accelerant uh, to uh, existing market factors. You know, so your your main chains like. I mean, well, I think like things like uh, sort of related is like, you know, uh, supermarkets, right? Like Peapod is going to be a more, you know, up and coming thing. I feel like it was sort of in existence. It's been there for a while, but no one really ever utilized it. I think now there's going to be a, a huge demand for that. Uh, and I think people are going to learn to adapt to it, or at least a certain percentage of people are going to get used to it. And from now on, use that more. Uh, same thing for like Uber Eats and DoorDash, all those companies, you know, they're basically keeping the restaurant industry alive right now. So I think if people really long term start living this lifestyle, there's definitely going to be a percentage of people that, you know, just start doing that all the time. Um, yeah, so I, we'll see. I mean, I think that's a good question that I think people are considering is the longevity of this lifestyle transition. I think one way or the other, there'll be at least a short term tick in this direction, if not a long term tick in like, let's say the isolated economy or the you know self-service model where you can literally have your whole life planned at the touch of a button, whether it be delivering groceries, delivering food or delivering your shirts, your clothes. Um, you know, having your, your transportation services basically at the touch of a button. I think there's going to be new businesses or existing businesses are going to adapt to this uh, secluded lifestyle. I mean, if anything, it's going to accelerate, uh, you know, autonomy and people are going to get lazier because of all this. Some people are going to just start living like this. Like some people that might have been extroverts before are all of a sudden going to become more introverted just because of the, the lifestyle that we've all, you know, endured. Over the past few weeks, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to see what the psychology of this whole thing and how it's going to affect everybody, um, and if it's going to be short term or long term. Uh, I think for most people, it'll probably be short term, but I don't know. Some people might, you know, get stuck in their head, like, "Oh, this is better." Well, so getting to the topic of the podcast, as far as stocks, I think it's obvious that Macy's is going down. Sears is already in the bucket. It's been in the bucket. Should have taken Sears it. has been dead. They should have taken Sears out back and shot that shit years ago. Interestingly, though, Best Buy has been doing pretty well. Uh, they do a price match guarantee. They were they were hurting, you know, 10 years ago. And so it is interesting how some retailers, I think, like clothes, I think people are always going to want to try and close, right? Those kind of industries are always going to have, you know, brick and mortar stores. Um, I mean, I feel like they said the same thing about furniture, and I think yeah, I, I, I think IKEA is doing just fine, having like mail order catalogs. Yeah, but people go to IKEA and they see the furniture and then they order it. I feel like people used to say the same thing about shoes, and Zappos is great. I think I've ordered almost all my shoes. The shoes are interesting. You have to know the brand. You have to know the size. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, it's hard to order sh even shoes online. So I think Zappos is a great example. I think they're going to continue to do well. I think Peapod will continue to do well. Amazon will continue to do well. Amazon is going to take over. Amazon's already taken over. I mean, they're going to start having drones at some point. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, if this doesn't stir Amazon to, first of all, invest more in, in like automated technologies, like robotic process automation, where they dissect basically every step of their, you know, fulfillment process. And they're like, all right, we're going to carve out this one step of the process, like licking the envelope 
and fucking like stamping on the back. Okay, we're gonna automate that. Like, all right, putting the widget from the box into the other box. All right, we're gonna automate that. And they're gonna try to remove as much of the human touch as possible. Even more so than they've already done. So Amazon, Amazon is a great, is poised. I mean, that's the problem with automation though, is like we're seeing it right now, all these people that are currently not working. It's like, what are people gonna do if things become too automated? You know, what markets will emerge? I think that's what we're really talking about is like what other jobs are going to ultimately be created because of this, you know, if certain jobs start to, you know, disappear. So, you know, it's like delivery drivers. It seems like there's going to be a lot more people just, you know, doing that kind of thing. Um, Maybe even people manning the drones, like who knows what it will be in the future, but I think it's going to be more people taking care of the machines. Um, something along those lines. I don't know. Aaron, I think that's a pretty profound statement. Like where the roles will transition from performing the activities to per, to taking care of the machines that perform the activities. And so I think neoclassic economics would tell you to get a degree in engineering and and like what's it called electronic engineering so you could know how to repair and program all these machines that are going to end up performing all these activities well coding as well like that's obviously huge i mean being able to program the machine you know i think one of our great predecessors and you know let's all take a moment to acknowledge the, the the our forefathers joe rogan you know he uh he got in a little bit of trouble years ago on this topic um, discussing uh, the learn to code or I don't know if it was Joe Rogan himself but I know that he's he's commented on it at least where there's a group of people on Twitter that were uh, telling truck drivers um, trolling them that they should learn to code and this was actually considered uh, hate speech um, by a certain, uh, if my memory is correct, by like a certain legal group, uh, and Joe Joe Rogan's comment was, "This isn't. This shouldn't be taken derogatorily. This is actually advice, and it it is a little disingenuous to tell somebody that might have, and no exaggeration, an eighth grade education who's been driving trucks for thirty years to learn how to program in JavaScript. Like it's it's essentially what has to be done." in order for people to survive and people, you know, just saying, Hey, I don't know how to do it. Um, I, I, I don't know if philosophically I can wrap my head around my head around just giving people money. Hmm. I mean, just forever, just for the rest of their life. Then wouldn't that incentivize like people to not work? I think you should pay people that are taking retraining classes like if you're a truck driver and you want uh, to learn coding or you want to learn how to knit, I don't know, whatever, you want to learn how to do, use Microsoft Word, whatever, as long as you're training a class, like training in something that has been classified as a, as a needed skill, a skill that is currently lacking in the economy, I don't see a problem giving somebody like a monthly stipend. It's just, you can't just like leave somebody, giving somebody money open-ended. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point. I think people will always find a way to work, though. No matter what it is, I mean, there's things change. It's not that 
you know, like back in the day, for instance, like let's look at like a blacksmith or something, right? There had to be someone who had to make, you know, a horseshoe or whatever, right? There's no machine to do it. You know, nowadays, you know, people, whatever the factory might be, you know, effectively makes toothpaste or whatever, you know, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, if you made toothpaste, you were probably making it in your, like, house in small batches and selling it, you know, locally, right? It's like every, as machines get better, they make the job easier. They can do things on mass scale, but people have adapted where you're no longer making, you know, soap or whatever in your house. Now you're just in charge of, you know, mixing the chemicals, whatever it might be. I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, all I'm saying is I think people will always have jobs. I think society will figure it out. And if, if part of that needs to be, you know, funded by the government in terms of extra pay because the con, the I don't know if the government would ever. I don't know if America would ever actually do that. I think I think the government, at least in its current state, would rather watch us crash and burn while they, you know, live live in their nice houses and watch it all happen. I think that at the end of the day, they could care less if society collapses. So I think what you're saying, and maybe just slightly rephrasing it, is that the market for labor will re-level, which is an accurate statement in the sense that somebody that was not willing to take a job at $20 an hour because they're a, uh, a senior plumber and let's say they're only willing to take $30 an hour, they will now accept the role at $20 an hour, $10 less than what they used to make, uh, maybe just as a junior plumber because the market has now become so competitive that there's no that there's no more room for junior plumbers. There's only room for senior plumbers. Yeah, I don't and, know. A, and a senior plumber will take a junior plumber level role. I mean, that's not really what I'm saying, but. And then those junior plumbers will end up taking unpaid internships as like plumbers' apprentices or some shit until they become senior plumbers, and then they can make what a junior plumber would have made. But theoretically, the cost of plumbing services will have also gone down because the demand of plumbing services has gone down. And so it's not like there will be a ripple effect in the economy where that plumber who was making $30 an hour and had to spend $20, uh, you know, two thirds. Yeah, he of might be hired by some larger corporation getting $20 an hour, but he doesn't, I don't know, he doesn't have to worry about the overhead. No, that his, well, what I'm thinking is like that his, his rent would should theoretically go down by the same amount of his wages, and his cost of his cost of groceries should also go go down. Like you get you get what I'm saying? Where if overall in the economy there's a third re, in reduction in the like the labor force, or if there's a third reduction in the s- demand for labor. And the amount of supply of that labor stays the same, then the cost of goods should also go down because theoretically people will will have one third less of the available money to spend on stuff. Yeah. So I think uh, I think this is good. Uh, you know, this is a good uh, second podcast that we put together. I think we outlined you know some major stocks uh, for the next week and had some good. You know other discussions. Um, I think we'll have to, you know, catch up more on on uh, the next the next episode. But thank you very much, Aaron, for uh, joining this week or for you know today's 
uh, podcast, and and we'll have to uh, we'll have to have you on again. Yeah, there's interesting stuff. Thanks for having me. Thanks.